This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You give your heart and soul to these games, so the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear Huey Lewis in the news on the stereo. So when you're in the Chicago area and you want some arcade fun, then just go back in time to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. Quarters? Where we're going, we don't need quarters. I'm Mike McGinnis. And I'm Carrington Vanston. And you're listening to the No Quarter Podcast. And good for you, I say. Well done, chap. And welcome to 2014 as well. Uh, oh, it is still 2014. I like 2014 so far. How's your week been? Oh, my, my week has been fantastic. I'm enjoying the slight uptick in warmth here in Toronto. It was freezing for a while. And now it's actually quite nice. And I've had a good week. We had a couple of really cold days in there. And you're all high. Yes, that's true. When you get high enough on the marijuana, you really don't care that much about how cold it is, I guess. Because <laughs> your state has gone legal. <laughs> legal pot sales started uh, a few days ago. And as we were discussing earlier, I'm not even sure what the heck is legal here in Ontario. I don't know anybody's ever been arrested for it. I never hear about pot stuff, so I'm pretty sure it's legal here. But I'm so out of that loop, I don't actually know. I mean, you guys have a really healthy attitude about that sort of thing uh, in Canada that it seems maybe finally is sort of leaking down a little bit, trickling to the United States. But I wonder if that means that Rob Ford didn't actually commit a crime by smoking crack. Up there. I'm pretty sure crack is illegal. Oh, <laughs> the hard stuff is still possession. I don't know. I could be totally making this up. So don't go do something that gets you arrested <laughs> because the guy on the border <laughs> said you. But I'm pretty sure in Ontario, it's actually legal to possess and smoke and have marijuana, but it's illegal to sell it. Anyway, all this has very little to do with video games, but that's my legal advice to our listeners. Let's get to the important stuff. <laughs> so feedback. We got feedback. We got a what I think is a pretty funny letter, but might be actually somebody upset. But I it's, And I feel bad about it because we were remiss in something, and I think it's totally my fault. Tell us how, how much it's your fault, Carrington. It totally is. We got I a love great this. letter from a guy who goes by Charlie. Charlie Martin, wrote yep. the following, and it's about how we, you know, we play the sound sample and see if people can guess it. Sometimes people do, and we're always amazed. Anyway, he wrote, I can't believe this. Usually, you play the sound of some obscure game, and you play the sound for the next game for maybe five to six seconds, and we're supposed to guess. I can never guess these obscure games. Yet sometimes, you congratulate someone for guessing it correctly. On the Starcade podcast, you played the sound of Fast Freddy for one second, and guess what? I recognize that obscure game. I finally mm -hmm guessed it even though it played for only one second surely i would be mentioned in the next week's podcast for being able to guess a game like that for only hearing it for one second right well it turns out wrong <laughs> i'm so sorry i just hadn't noticed like to to fill our listeners in mike and i swapped the facebook control for a while he normally does the facebook stuff because he's good at actually writing back to people and being a nice person and i like sit here being lazy and not doing anything that's just because you're one of those rude canadians <laughs> totally offended that we're so famous or being so rude. That's right. I do my best. And I'm not really on Facebook that much, to be honest. And so I was taking over the Facebook stuff for a month or so. 
people in the Facebook group, which is awesome. And like, it's like, it's the coolest place on Facebook and people should go there. And we have amazing listeners interacting with stuff and it, and it does suck me into the conversations, but on Facebook for a few weeks there, I was the one posting the new link for the game. And you'll, that's why you'll see that one of them got posted wrong. And just as a comment, cause I don't really know what I'm doing. And last week was one of the weeks where we were switching back. So I don't think Mike was looking at it as much. And I think it was probably supposed to be my responsibility, but as soon as Mike said he was back on Facebook, I just dropped that sucker. It didn't look at all. So I was the one who didn't notice Charlie. Totally my fault. But it is still quite impressive that he did notice. And he did post it on Facebook and on time, like before we posted the show. So he did officially actually guess it. And he's right that we played a crazy obscure sound for a crazily short time. It is amazing. He got it. Yeah, I'm still going to blame you, Carrington. <laughs> As you should. I'm pretty sure it's my fault. So anyway, congratulations, Charlie. Sorry we didn't mention it. And it is actually pretty amazing that you guessed that game. I never could have. Speaking of Fast Freddy, uh, Alexis Crowley wrote us, sent us a private message on Facebook, says, Hi guys, just listened to your podcast on Fast Freddy. Poor chap, he seemed like a lovely character and just found himself in the wrong game. Uh, you're right, this game sucks, but the cab and the music are great. See, Carrington, people do like the music. In fact, I used to own this cab, and when I got bored of the game, I sold it, but I sure did miss the music. Every now and then, I have to download I have to download the game on YouTube just to hear that fun-loving music, which always reminds me of being at a fairground, which gives me a warm feeling. And then he sent along a picture of his old cabinet and said, Oh, I miss you, Freddy. That's such an obscure cabinet to have, but I completely disagree with him. See, I like the music. At the beginning of the game, the music kicks in and it's really good. But when you're actually playing, that siren thing comes on and all I could hear was that. So I'm beginning to think that maybe that's a main problem and it's not like that on the real cab. So I think I'm going to have to try the game on an actual cabinet and see if it sounds differently. Well, good luck finding it. Uh, Mark Johnson wrote in about our Starcade episode going back a couple of weeks. He says, Hey, no quarter guys love the Starcade episode and made me watch some episodes this evening. One of them was the dragon's Lair special, which really cheesed me off to no end. Holy cow. Was it unfair? Dragon's Lair was the only game played, and due to the random stages the game gives you, there was no even playing field. In the final, the first contestant got stages that scored much higher than the second guy. You could visibly see that he was upset that he got the rapid stage. Even though he nailed every action point, there was no way to beat the other guy due to the stage. Now, I don't know how the scoring works. Uh, maybe if you really time all your moves, you, you can get more points. Maybe if you duct tape a slice of bread butter side up to a cat's back, it'll spin forever and defy gravity. Who knows? But I've gone off topic. Forgive me. So somebody who likes Starcade, but apparently was very angry at them for that show. Well, I remember reading some of the accounts of Starcade on the, the official Starcade uh, webpage that we mm -hmm. linked to on that show. And there's a few people talking about their experiences on the show, including one fellow who had come back. He won his game and they came back through one of those invitationals where they were bringing back the former winners. And he was saying how in his show... A similar sort of thing happened. He ended up being uh, the recipient of the good score in that case, where he was behind on the first game. Then the next two games, he got ahead. And then I think they were playing, oh, maybe it was Cliffhanger or something for the last game. And it was the case that there was simply no way playing Cliffhanger, the person in second place could possibly, there just there weren't going to be enough points available. So because of that game choice, um, he just got to walk into the final. So it can, uh, you know, un unfortunately... Count against you, and I think the problem is in the dragons dragons lair game. Of course, they're both playing the same game, but it's not like Pac Man or something where you're all starting and you're getting the same screen. It is kind of random what you get. Uh, it's unfortunately the case that just because of basically a random number choice, the one player didn't have a chance. So 
Yeah, we talked about the strategy a little bit and how it was important to pick your games properly and uh, make sure that if you were up later on that you pick games where your opponent couldn't score a lot more to catch up. It looks like a lot of the time, sometimes, I mean, it just came down to, to blind stupid luck. Darn that luck. At Nintendo Arcade tweeted us about the music as well on Fast Freddy. Said, the music I actually liked, and in an odd way, I very much missed that game. So, Carrington, I think you're just wrong about the music. I didn't like it either, but I'll happily just heap all of this right on you. <laughs> okay, cool. The last tweet that we got was from the C64 Takeaway. It says, never mind getting a million points on Donkey Kong. I just beat no quarters 50,700 high score. Yay me! And he posted a picture of his high score at 56,600 points. I don't think beating our scores is a really year and a half of achievement. No, uh, even at, at the time we do them, let's face it, our scores are usually not massive. It is remarkable, though. Like I got I, Every once in a while, we'll talk about something. We're going to talk about this game today, which I think is really good, and everybody seems to know but me. In admitting that I don't know these things, that I'm often not good at these games, Like I realize what a casual I am. Like I can just Ooh, hear yeah. all the people at our age going, mm-hmm. why do those guys have a show? That's I don't right. know anything. But we're having fun. We're learning. I'm trying. <laughs> Before we move on, I did want to mention that there's a new, uh, a new arcade podcast out there called Ten Pence Arcade. Mm-hmm. They've got one show. I have listened to it. They actually have two shows now. The second show is up and available for your listening pleasure. I missed uh, the second show. That I have subscribed, though, so I'm sure it's sitting in iTunes. Actually, it looks like I'm lying. There's only one available I knew it. on the site. I saw a tweet that said that they were done editing and assumed that that meant that they had posted. I was wrong, wrong, wrong. And maybe I'll be wrong about today's game. Yes, you are. What is today's game, Mike? Carrington, we played Guzzler, the 1983 maze game by Tekken. We did indeed. It was uh, developed by Tekken, distributed by Century. Well, I would always want to say Centuri. Centuri, yeah. yeah so do I. It's, that, it's that I at the end. Yeah. yeah. So Tekken, I think, is currently called Tecmo Koei. Tekken existed as a company from like the late 60s to, I think, 85, 86, something like that, and then changed the name to Tecmo. And Tecmo is better known for things like Tecmo Bowl and Ninja Gaiden and Dead and Alive and Riger. And then they merged with another company called Koei. K-O-E-I, I guess it's pronounced Koei, and Koei's best known for, I have no idea. I actually don't know that company. I think they make mostly historical action games, and I don't play them. So anyway, they're now Techno Koei, but back in 1983, they were the force that came together to make the original game Guzzler that we played this week and that I enjoyed very much. Tekken is one of those Japanese companies that has a long and hard-to-follow-sometimes history. It's been purchased and spun off and repurchased and renamed and people have come and gone and it can be tough tracking the history because it's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a few US companies that are like that as well. But it's an interesting history if you want if you want to take the time to track it down and read it. In the meantime, Guzzler is described as a, a maze style game where the player shoots liquid to kill monsters, eat food to replace the liquid. Monsters are generated from four different fires which must be destroyed completely to move on to the next level. Which totally doesn't describe the majesty and weirdness of this <laughs> game. Even I mean, a it is bit. A, yes, it is a maze game. There's the four fires in each level, and you're right that the the goal is to put them out. But that doesn't really describe the oddness of what's going on. Because, like you said, making it 
more difficult. You think you've just got these fires to put out, but no, out of the fires come fire monsters. And they essentially have a single purpose in life. They want to hug you. And since they're made of fire, they want to hug you to death. And uh, so you've probably heard the phrase, kill it with fire. Well, in this case, you are the it. But you have a weapon, and it's a watery weapon that can, I guess, both defend you against the fire hug monsters and put out those boss fires themselves. And the weapon is your spit. That's why this game is so weird because, I mean, it's an original game mechanic. I'll give it that. Basically, <laughs> like scattered about the maze are these puzzles and you can, or pu- puddles rather, and you can slurp up the puddles. So you fill yourself with water. And then when a monster threatens you with a hug, you just spit at it. <laughs> like it's, you know, and it's these massive water flumes come out of you. Like I said, like in this game, they want to kill you with fire and you retort by killing them with spit. I mean, it's all, it's all a very, very weird experience. It falls nicely into the whole Japanese stereotype of their obsession with weird bodily fluids. And alcohol. Clearly, when you watch the little cutscenes between the levels, holy cow, this has a lot of Pac-Man sort of things to it. Uh, There are these Uh cartoon scenes that come between some of the levels. And in that, you kind of learn that you're this monster kind of guy. And yes, you're an alcoholic. There's all these little bottles with the X's on them to show that they're alcohol. And you've got little hiccup bubbles around you. And you're sort of the member of the family that is pushed aside by the rest. So it's basically you're this stumbling alcoholic that is fighting against fires. It's all really weird. When I first started playing it, I thought, well, is he a firefighter? But I don't see any sort of artwork that would tell me, oh, there's, you know, a fire truck and hoses and a little hat and the Dalmatian and everything. No, he might just be vomiting on these things or peeing (laughs) on them. I don't... It was very odd and sort of feeds into that Japanese stereotype. And in fact, I found a, a brief description on the webpage that said, this game is unique in that it depicts the hero of the story as a drunkard who's the shame of the family and yet is able to put out fires by puking, no less. I remember reading a review by Will Wheaton of this game for the AV Club ages mm-hmm. ago, years and years ago. And, yeah, and like looking at it, just, or something. Yeah, he comes to the same conclusion. He concludes that making a puking drunk the hero of the game lacks redeeming social value. Uh, but he also mm-hmm. says it's a fun game. So I call that win-win because I too may lack redeeming social value. So who am I to judge? You make your way through the maze and you get three squirts, I guess, if you want to call it <laughs> yep. that. I, I'm going to try. I don't know how successful we will be at not making this sound somewhat uncomfortably sexual, but <laughs> he gets three squirts of water on the firebugs, and then he has to fill up at the puddles. While you're at the puddle, you can't you can't move while he's filling up, which I, I did like that mechanic, and I like the mechanic that it takes a second for the stream to reach its maximum length, and if you move before it stretches all the way out, it stopped squirting. So you can actually, I've, when I first started playing the game, I got very frustrated because I kept running into fireballs because I didn't wait long enough for the water to put them out before I moved forward. I just hit mm-hmm. the button and would assume that it would get to them. And oh no, once you put out the first three fire spots, I guess, where these, where the bugs spawn, the fourth one will start to move around the maze and come after you as well. There are different types of fireballs. You get 200 for one kind, 400 for the next, and 800 for the fastest one putting out one of the fire pits or whatever you want to call it that, that doesn't move initially, you get a thousand points for that. If you put out the fire and the fireball in the same spot, that's 2000 points. And if you put out the fire that's just spawned two fireballs, you get 4000 points. Nice. Yeah. And you double your points. There's the words, the letters guzzler on the bottom of the screen and they kind of correspond to columns. Sometimes the letters will have a red outline that kind of highlights them. And if you kill a fireball in that column, then it lights up the letter. And the goal is to light up all the letters in Guzzler, because when they're all lit up, then all your point scores are doubled. Let's talk about that for a minute. 
The reason that I didn't like this game as much as I thought that I would, I didn't hate it. It's not going to make number 43 on my top 10 list. <laughs> it's a big top 10 list, man. It is. It is. It grows every day. But the reason it's not going to make the list is because there, there was so much going on in the game that really didn't make sense to me. And I couldn't figure it out intuitively, like that guzzler thing at the bottom while I was playing. And it felt very frustrating because the there are no instructions really that tell you clearly what's going on. Ladybug was kind of like this, but Ladybug was a little bit easier to figure out spelling out Ladybug as you're grabbing the stuff. The mm -hmm. guzzler thing at the bottom, I didn't get that. When you look at a game, the games in the arcades, the really successful ones, you just walk up, you drop a quarter, and you get it. And not you don't just get it, you get all of it. It all just makes sense, and it comes together well. None of these weird little mechanics going on in the background that, you know, you have to play it a hundred times before you before the light bulb goes on. You go, oh, that's what's going on here. I kept thinking, am I missing something obvious here? It made me feel kind of dumb. I mean, dumber than usually I, I am on, <laughs> on a given day. I thought, well, am I supposed to spell out Guzzler? Because the letters are lighting up differently, but I don't see the, the letters on the map here. Uh, so this is a game for me that was interesting enough. If I were in, a, in an arcade, I'd probably drop a quarter or two in it and then get frustrated by not being able to figure out what was really going on and probably wouldn't go back. I did find the spelling and grammatical errors really kind of charming. I like the the fact that like the fifth place default high score is please you, which comes after the copyright notice. Yes. So everything about this game is is very Japanese. The the subtle unexplained mechanics seem to be something you see more in in Japanese arcade games or ones where they weren't completely translated over to an, an American. So yeah, liked it. Didn't love it. Probably won't play it again. I loved it. I just found this charming and amazing and fun and a total revelation for me. I'd never played it before. And it's the kind of game that if I had been in an arcade at the time and I had seen it, like when this came out in, what was it, 82 or 83? 83, April of 83. so many maze games, right? And there were so many crappy Pac-Man knockoff maze games. I would have been in an arcade, I would have seen this thing, and I wouldn't have put a quarter in because I would have thought, oh, it's just another stupid Pac-Man knockoff. I never would have put money in this back in the day, which is probably why I never played it. I didn't even know this game. And now basically being forced by you to play it for a week. I adore it. Like I immediately was charmed by it. I love the mechanic of guzzling the water and spitting your weird puke attack at the fires. I liked mm -hmm. the cartoony nature of them. I love the fact that the mazes are so different. Like some mazes have almost no lines in them. It's just a free for all arena and some are tight mazes. And I like that every, every level seems so different. I like the look of the monsters. I like the little details. Like when, when you fill up with water, like when you get your, your little three squirts it shows you have less water in you but also the less water in you the faster you move which seems totally fair like you're, you're later so that gives you like that you can move a little quicker i didn't find the lack of instructions and the sort of weirdness of the guzzler it took me a while just like you man it took me ages to figure out how to light up that guzzler stuff it just seemed that random and the misspellings all over the place in it. But for some reason, none of them struck me as sloppiness or like shovelware type stuff, which normally that's how I would take something like this. Instead, for some reason, I guess this was just the right week for me to play this game, but I just immediately fell in love with this game. And I couldn't believe it's been this many years that I've never played this thing because this is one of now instantly one of my favorite maze games. I don't even like maze games that much, and I love this thing. Now, I didn't find it to be sloppy. I didn't think that there was poor game design. Uh, I just found it frustrating that I didn't know what was going on. That's a familiar feeling for me, so maybe I was just more comfortable with it. 
I like the fact that they did a very good job of building the tension, getting the adrenaline pumping by you can't really move when you're shooting at these things and you only have three shots. So if there are four of them coming at you, you have to figure out how to time it and then turn around and be able to get to water. I, I like the AI, that the AI was good enough to be able to track me around the maze pretty effectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was really good at having the monsters come right at you. It's coming right for you. And I like that, like you said, logically it makes sense that the less water you have, the faster you move. All of that came together very well for me. I didn't have a problem with any of that. Now, it is definitely Pac-Man ripoff-esque. Uh, give it that. Like, see. It seem, like it's got that little uh, martini glass that appears mm -mm. in the middle. And when you grab it, everything freezes. That whole idea of like, here's a bonus thing seems so right out of Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man where no. here's a cherry or a strawberry or whatever. See, the thing is, when I was playing it, I, I saw this online a lot, too, was the Pac-Man comparisons. I didn't even think of Pac-Man until I saw somebody else mention it. And then I even then I didn't really see the similarities because the mazes are a lot more open. There's opportunities for these things to get you in multiple ways at once, where usually with Pac-Man, you're in a tunnel. And it just it didn't for me anyway, didn't the similarities other than the martini glass. Uh, in the middle weren't there for me. And the attack mechanic is completely different because Pac-Man, you're totally passive. You're running away until you eat one of your power pellets and then you gobble up the bad guys. Whereas here, you are basically arming yourself with water and then you're going on the offensive to attack. So it's much more of a, a shooter sort of mechanic. But it's Puke-Man. It did seem... It did seem <laughs> P-Man. For some reason, for me, it still seemed very Pac-Man-y. But I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. From From first play, I was completely hooked. I think it was good, could have been better, maybe a little bit disappointed, like I said, about some of the things that went on behind the scenes. Didn't you love the fact that, though, at the end of the game, like when you die, and then it's always like, okay, here's spin the little wheel, and maybe you can get lucky and get an extra man. Now, never once did I actually get it, so I've yet to learn quite when to press the button, but I'll eventually get that down. And I love the fact that after you die, this is, well, let's give you like a 1 in 16 chance of maybe you get a bonus man. That was fantastic. Very fair. Because of the things that we talked about, the AI and not being able to move, the game is very difficult, especially at first. But I never felt like I was wasting quarters and that I was never going to get better at this. As I was playing, it was easy for me to want to play again. But when I stopped playing, I had no interest in coming back and doing it again. I never stopped playing. I'm playing it right now. At no point did I stop playing. That's why I also have less information about the history of the game. Because this week, instead of spending the time I was supposed to spend <laughs> doing research, I just kept sitting down going, I'll just play some more. The better the game, the less I will know about it. Well, let's talk about that then a little bit. Guzzler features a Z80 at 3.072 megahertz for its main CPU. Another Z80 at 2 megahertz for the sound CPU. Me and the people on Tenpence Arcade appreciate your pronunciation of Z. I'd just like to point that out. You just brainwashed me. And, <laughs> and, uh, so all my Red State listeners out there, help, help. I've been brainwashed by a Canadian. <laughs> there are two AY8910 sound chips each at two megahertz to produce the sound. I did enjoy the sound and the music mm -hmm. a lot in this game. Me too. I thought it was really good. It was clear. It was catchy. I liked it a lot. It is a two-player game with a four-way joystick and a single button to fire your juice. Yes, I said <laughs> that. What I find weird is everybody online, all the few sources of information I looked at, uh, say that this was built on Crazy Climber hardware, that the PCB is essentially a Crazy Climber PCB, which seems weird to me. You know, sometimes you play a game, like we played a game a while ago where I went, boy, this is, for some reason, this just screamed Scramble to me, and it turned out to be based on Scramble. It's something about the colors, something about it. Yeah. This mm -hmm. didn't seem at all like Crazy Climber. Like, the look of it, the mechanic, nothing. Like, I don't understand why this would be based on Crazy Climber at all. It must have been just a PCB lying around. 
It's interesting because if you look in the, the main ROM list, there's the standard Guzzler ROM, but there's also one listed as a Swimmer conversion, which is a different game entirely. So I, I don't know. And looking online, it looks like Swimmer and Crazy Kong and River Patrol, they were all based on Crazy Climber. I would not have guessed that either. No. Yeah, like you said, sometimes you can look at a game and know where it came from or, or yeah, know what kind of hardware it is. Just something about it, especially something about the, the nature of the graphics or the sound will just ring a bell. Like, not the gameplay is that other game, but just some, you can sort of see the history. Here, I didn't get Crazy Climber at all. From not this. at all. Yeah. Guzzler was only ported to the Sega SG-1000 in Japan and the MSX computer, so there really weren't a lot of home ports, which may be why you and I have never really heard of this game before we played it. It's an interesting cabinet. Simple controls, four-way joystick and one button. Well, two buttons, really, because one on either side, but basically you go, your big patooey spit button. <laughs> it's not a particularly pretty cabinet, and it seems the vast majority of these were actually sold as conversion kits rather than cabinets, but the, the actual cabinet, it's got a very plain control panel without any real artwork. It's just sort of like rainbow colored stripes and it's the same thing for the the design of the the standard upright cab it was just like a plain normal black cab it's got a simple but pretty colorful marquee it's basically just the blue guzzler logo in a red oval and a cartoon guzzler on one side and a fire monster on the other but something that could be like knocked off really quickly and it's just the rest of the art is essentially just non-existent it's just colored shapes and blocks and a bunch of lines it's really more decorative than art uh they just kind of threw it together it seems the flyer for the game a few flyers all show a cocktail cabinet but i couldn't find any actual real world examples of that so i don't know if it was produced as a cocktail kit or they intended to do a full cocktail but it never existed but i can't find anything out in the wild however there was also shown in the flyer and i did see this in the real world a non-cocktail but still short sit-down cabinet but it's totally not the usual cocktail kind this one's got this it's got a slightly up-tilted monitor so it's on an angle like the way a normal like say a pac-man monitor would be and it has a full marquee as well like sticking over it so it's kind of like a mini version of a standard arcade but it's down low so you actually sit at it so it's a weird combination of regular machine but cocktail height and so it's a sitting machine and since it's not like a flat monitor like most cocktail cabinets the advantage is one person can sit at one side one person sits at the other and it goes back and forth this is one where no you'd have to only sit in the front of it i'd never seen something like this before so it's kind of neat um that one seems to be super collectible the game as a whole though is not collectible for some reason not a lot of people have it and i don't know if maybe just nobody knows about it or there's just so many maze games nobody cares but it's hard to find examples of this game going for more than five or six hundred dollars um even decent shape so that kind of surprised me it was released in April of 1983, which was sort of in the middle of that glut of games that were just being pumped out to the arcades yeah. as, as quickly as possible. And so they would show up, they'd be there for a month or two to make the money, and as soon as they started losing money or it dropped off, the arcade owners would get rid of them. I think back in the day, I wouldn't have given this game a chance. I remember the period, and there were so many maze games, so many games that looked just like this. I would have walked up to this thing, and unless I was in a mall and there was nothing else to play, and then I would play anything. But I think in an actual arcade, I would have probably walked by this. Not a great-looking cabinet. That would have been cabinet. a wise decision. No way. But it's not a great-looking cabinet. It doesn't have a great-looking attract screen, but the game itself is awesome. It's total awesome sauce. I love this game. Didn't love it as much as you did, Carrington, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, not not number 43 on my top 10 list. <laughs> but is it high 40s? Just uh, misses the list? Yeah, getting kind of up there. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, there's just a few things that, that sort of ruin better potential for, for number 43 on the what list. What if it was in know? a cute little tiny mini cabinet? That would do it. See, there you go. That, so. that would put it over the top for me. It's number all about 43. The cab. Yep, there it is. Um, <laughs> now, considering how much more you love this than I did, Carrington, I hope that you did better than me on the score. 
Well, I think I did okay, but I only got to level 10, so maybe not. So I posted on Twitter to try to try to sucker you into oh, uh, no. a little Mm-mm. bit of trash talking. I posted <laughs> a score from level 6. Oh, we should talk about this, how you get to type your whole name. You can type the full name Carrington. Yeah, I love that. How awesome. Full 10 mm. characters, baby. This might be why I love this game so much. That's <laughs> really what it is. How many games can you actually type Carrington? It's awesome. So the highest score I got so far this week playing it, and I'm going to keep playing this game, so I bet you I can do better. But the best score I have so far is 130,260, and that came on level 10. Oh, jeez. That's disappointing. Oh, disappointing for me or disappointing for you? Well, I thought I was a little bit close to you. Okay. And what'd you get? I got 55,320. I beat you. You beat me soundly and roundly, sir. (laughs) When I got my level, I got my score. I got to type my whole name in. It was so sweet. (laughs) But you still didn't beat the official world record holder for this game. Was I close? Uh, not even. Massimo Gaspari holds the official record with 3,049,590 points. I have no idea how he would have got that. 30 times my score. Yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, I think that every week. I've stopped stopped even thinking it's weird anymore. There's people out there that simply can get any score in any game. It's crazy, man. Yeah, maybe. Some games it just seems more intuitive that if you spend enough time and you were good enough, you could do that. I look at this and, and I get overwhelmed at like level four or five. I can't imagine how we got that much further. Now, that's the thing. I looked online with the little bit of non-playing looking I was doing, <laughs> and I couldn't find any canonical answer for how many different levels there are. I don't know if this is something like Pac-Man where there's 255, or 256 levels. So I don't know. I don't know if it has a kill screen. Like if you get far enough, it dies. Or if you can just go forever. That's why Massimo can go and get himself three million plus points. Like... I got as far as level 10 and those were all different levels. It never repeated in the first tenet, I think. And I did keep getting different cut screens every once in a while. I get these little cartoon things that show me more of the story of the drunkard. (laughs) All right. Well, maybe I'll do better next week. Maybe we'll find a chance. Carrington doesn't like quite as much. Next week is the game I'm best at. Maybe. I don't think so. (laughs) Well, what's it sound like? Sounds like this. And that brings us to the end of another No Quarter Show. Oh, I'll miss us. I will too, but we'll be back next week, everybody. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. All of those links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. <laughs>